Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. I want to welcome you to this next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And, and today, I must admit, I'm very excited. I think I probably say this all the time when I'm recording for, for Brains. But for this one, this has got quite a lot of uh, intrigue for me uh, as well. We have Magnus Hedman with us today. Magnus is uh, Sweden's former professional goalkeeper. Uh, he's also a football agent and advisor and is a success coach and speaker. And Magnus, uh, I am so excited for the next thirty minutes or so uh, as we dive into all the things that you've been doing, but also wanting to definitely kind of visit uh, the whole football um, scene. You know, I'm a massive football fan, massive Coventry City fan. Frederick, one of our owners at um, Brains, he is a massive AIK fan. So I'm going to have to spend a little moment there before we dive into more. Uh, more important things than football but how are you today i'm fine thank you how are you yeah doing really well doing really well great, and uh, great. really excited to have you with us and, and looking forward to finding out everything about what you've been up to but we'll dive straight in because i know time is is precious and uh, i want to make sure that i get the most out of you as that i can yeah. so uh, i'm gonna just dive straight in here magnus um, but yep. everything's in your wheelhouse so nothing for you to worry about but I would love to know obviously being a staunch Coventry City fan what was the happiest moment for you uh, at that club well um, obviously making the debut was a big thing uh, when we um, because I came um, 1997 uh, 1997 I came to Coventry and um, I didn't really check out the situation the goalkeeping situation at, in Coventry before which was quite stupid because there was a this old fossil Steve Grisovic who played uh, for 17 years and he was a fantastic goalkeeper uh, turned out to be a fantastic person as well we're really good friends today but uh, he kept me out of the team in the beginning uh, and I was on my you know on my way into the Swedish national team and so on so um, I had a tough time in the beginning or I shouldn't call it tough but it was it was a, a time which I didn't really expect. So I had, but what I did then was I was working harder than any, anybody else. I was um, supporting my teammates. I was being a real, true professional because I didn't want Strachan to to come to me if I had anything to say to him that, oh, Mel Magnus, you haven't trained hard enough or whatever. So I uh, I made myself ready for the debut in the Premier League, and then um, I remember we played Villa away. We lost. Uh, and as we walked off the pitch, uh, Strachan said to me, welcome to the Premier League. So the next following game, was, which was at home, um, we played um, Tottenham at home. We won 4-0. Uh, so my debut was obviously a, a massive thing for me. You know, my first game in the Premier League and, and for the club. So that was, uh, that was big. Then, I mean, it's not, I mean, there's, Certain games, of course, that, that stands out. Uh, but I would say that I, I had uh, I had a really good time in, uh, at Coventry uh, most of the years I was there. And was it a hundred? Was it a hundred appearances that you made? I think it was something like that. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah when, when I was looking, it was like a nice round 100. And I was like, you couldn't even oh, right, plan yeah. that. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I was a bit unlucky as well with, with injuries. Um, I remember year 2000, I won the, the Swedish Golden Ball, you know, the player of the year in Sweden. Uh, came back, got injured. So I missed quite a number of games uh, at Coventry. And then obviously Chris Kirkland came as well when I was injured and, and played really well. So he kept the place. So uh, it could have been a, a few more games, but but I'm, I'm happy with my, my spell at Coventry, definitely. Definitely. And I, I have real fond memories of you in goal anyway, like from mm. my time. Um, I don't know if it makes you feel older or, or, or what, but I certainly really enjoyed that. And when you mentioned like Oggy and Strachan, I've seen both of them in the last month in Leamington. Uh, oh, right, yeah. near to where I live so yeah mm. great I'm so glad that you had like a, a real positive experience and you retired in 2005 mm. you started at AIK and then you also played for Southwark and Chelsea how, how mm. did you know like Magnus uh, when you were done and I think this question is actually really important regardless of whether we're we're focusing at the moment on football or in or in life. How how did you know that you were done? And do you feel like the same principle for knowing when you're no longer, you know, your heart is no longer in it, or maybe you you just got some reasons as to why you feel like this is the end of the road? I think for me it's it's a bit different uh, because of um, uh, the way that I grew up with with a mother that was uh, being alcoholized. Um, I I, um, I had quite an um, unsafe uh, childhood in quite a number of ways. Uh, I was sexually sexually abused when I was a kid as well. Mm. So to me, the football became like a drug. You know, when people feel bad, they go to drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever. In my way, uh, or in my case, I went to, to sports, uh, which was a bit more healthy, of course. Um, so uh, to me, that was always uh, a security. That was my, my best friend was, uh, was my career, was my football, because that's where I could leave the human being feelings out and just uh, focus on the performance, you know, uh, just a football player, Magnus. Um, in 2005, my wife and I was going to get divorced um, and she was going to move back to Sweden from Scotland. Um, and I felt... Mm, um, I don't want that. And, and something happened inside of me where I lost just the slightest, slightest of percentage uh, in desire. And I felt that, nah, I, um, I call it a day. It was too early uh, looking back now at it. Uh, and I started to work as a football pundit. Um, I did lots of speeches and so on in, in Sweden, but there was something missing. Uh, I kept question asking myself all the time, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? But it wasn't so much what I've learned today is that it wasn't so much what I was going to do next. The question I really was asking was, who are you? Who am I? The human being, Magnus, you know? And those are existential, existential you know, they're, they're big, big questions. It's almost like asking yourself what the meaning of life is. Um, so, um, but then I had a call uh, from my old agent and uh, Mourinho wanted me to Chelsea. So I went to Chelsea, I was there for eight months. Um, and after those eight months, I felt this is it. This is when I can stop. This is when I can retire uh, and go back into um, to the, to the other side of life. So I would say that it's not just a desire, um, but when you are 
when you feel that like you you got nothing more to give, uh, you got nothing more to gain, you got nothing more to look forward to. Uh, and I'm just speaking from my point of view now, um, because I think that is important. Um, and um, so to me, I got my real, my proper goodbye to football uh, from Chelsea, which was a good thing, which was nice as well, of course. But it didn't, um, I mean, it didn't help me in the life after anyway, because I couldn't, I couldn't uh, cope with everyday situations and uh, you know uh, the normal life if you like uh, was uh, was difficult for me really difficult yeah i've got one one more kind of football related question and mm-hmm. i'll kind of yeah. want to transition anyway um mm-hmm. but i always think that every time we go through something in life uh, i think our past always gives us context for our future we often find that people go through something and then that becomes their vocation moving forward. We often go through our own trouble and then we want to help others that are going to go through the same trouble. But what I'd like to know is maybe what, what two things did football really teach you about life, business and yourself? And you started to kind of touch on some of those perhaps Magnus, but could you share maybe two things that you really feel that football taught you uh, about life, business or yourself? Well, uh, what, it, what it did show me was the importance of having a direction in life, um, you know, to have a, a clear uh, vision, a clear goal, uh, what, what you want, uh, why, why do you want that, and is it important to you? Uh, I think if you can answer, check those out, uh, you're on the right path. So that was not one thing for me, you know, to, to make that uh, journey uh, to plan it and to follow it no matter what uh, and and so that's that's definitely one thing that that I, that it taught me um, it taught me uh, the football taught me that um, to actually um, live be able to do what uh, someone else tells you to do because like people can find that difficult on a lot of occasions, of course. But if you have a clear direction in your life, what you want, um, you will listen to other people uh, that you think can help you on, mm-hmm. along that way, you know. So I would say those two were the things. And also, I mean, obviously also to, to come back from mistakes, to handle mistakes. And this is this is obviously this this was obviously a journey for me because in the beginning of my career I had massive difficulties handling my mistakes uh, because if I made a mistake I felt like a bad person mm. not just a bad football goalie but also a bad person you know mm. so um, what I'm teaching my my uh, players today being a football agent and an advisor is that every mistake is actually a tool for you to get better. Uh, if you handle it the right way so you should just quickly ask yourself okay what could i've done differently you will have the answer straight away because you know um, and you kind of take that mistake make it into a tool put it in your bag and your bag gets uh, uh, more and more full with tools mm. along your along your your journey so that's the way i work with my with my clients today love that yeah it's interesting i do think that's one of the challenges when you work for yourself because I think when you, like in your case, you were a goalkeeper, so you had certain routines, you had an expectation, and you had to be disciplined, otherwise you didn't get picked. So everything was kind of, this is when you need to be here, Magnus. 
And then when you when you get into the space of having your own business, which many of us are in that, being able to create our own routines and hold ourselves accountable becomes uh, much more difficult, doesn't it, to navigate mm. because it's very yeah. much on us. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that that comes from not being totally clear of what, where you want to go. Mm. Because uh, if you're not clear on, on, on where you want to go, you, you will try that. You will go to the left, you will go to the right. And for each thing that doesn't really fit, you will start asking yourself questions like, oh, what's the meaning of life? I'm doing everything for everybody else. No one is doing anything for me. Um, and when you kind of ask those questions, you kind of get lost. Mm. Uh, because if you think about it, when you're when you're in a flow and everything is running smooth and everything is going well, how often do you ask yourself the meaning of life then? Never, mm. because you're living it. So, so it's um, I, I think it's a matter of uh, you know being being really honest to to yourself as well in in um, in that. But but planning and follow the plans, not putting things up in your diary. And saying, "Ah, I do it tomorrow instead," because you're, you, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna continue doing that. And so, saying that, I mean, I'm not saying that everybody has to be so black or white like I was, mm. but I think, uh, I think in the end, it's it's a lot easier if someone, uh, if you have that uh, square, you have that box to keep yourself inside. You know exactly what you want, what you, what you're allowed to do, what you need to do what you're not allowed to do and so on and so on. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it was from that aspect, it was quite easy, um, to live uh, yeah. the, football, the footballer's life. Then obviously yeah. you need to handle all the pressure and, and the losses and mistakes and so on. But, but it, 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 um, it is difficult to, to do both. I would say, yeah, uh, as a, as a professional football player. Yeah, I, I, I think our philosophy is very similar. I always talk about uh, finding your lighthouse, which is the one thing that I always say, you know, I think Stephen Covey, who talks about start with the end in mind. So once you kind of have a real clear definition of what you want your life to represent, of who you want people to remember you for, and then make choices based on, does this take me to fundamentally what I'm wanting to give off? Like when I've left this earth, I think that that really grounds us, doesn't it, to 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 move us in that direction. So I love that you, mm. you shared that. Yeah, and what what you also talking about there is obviously your highest purpose. Yeah, of course. And I think you will never be able to find your highest purpose unless you ask your heart. If you just do things with your brain, you will um, you will um, continue on the path of performing getting praise, uh, you know, from, from people, from other people, mm. uh, getting rewards and things. But uh, when the, the moment you start asking your heart, what, uh, what your highest purpose is, that's, that's when you start going on the, on the true genuine, uh, direction, I would say. I agree. I want to talk to you about transition. Um, mm. you know, transition is something that we all go through and we already started to talk a little bit about, about yours when we reflect back on, on your, on your past as a professional footballer. And now you're a success coach. How, how did you transition from being a pro footballer to a success coach? I know that there was a, a number of hurdles and, and things that happened, but mm. how was that transition? Cause we hear, especially in sport that people really struggle to make that transition. They do end up with, mental health problems that do lead to 
suicide addictions and some of those things how how did you transition 2005 when i when i ret- retired the first time i i uh, went on um, on the human science course uh, the nlp uh, i did a course of that and i really really liked it um so i was kind of into the human science uh, things already when i came to chelsea uh after that i um um kept doing a number of uh, courses in NLP, neurosemantics, meta coaching, and so on. So I, I've done over 20 courses now in, in human side, uh, science and coaching. But um, the problem was that I, um, uh, I said yes to, uh, to try amphetamine uh, once after my career. Uh, and I got addicted the first time I tried. Um, because it gave me so much pleasure and, and these, these questions that I had, what were you going to do next and who, who are you and so on, they disappeared, but with the help of a synthetic uh, substance. So uh, obviously it's difficult, to, it's difficult to do anything properly when, you, when you're addicted to something, especially drugs. So um, I, had to, I had to fight with that for a number of years. Um, up and down before I could really kind of ground myself, be here and now and help other people properly, if you like. Uh, because if you, there's, there's also what you said there earlier um, that we, we live a life and we want to help other people uh, not making the same mistakes or, or inspire them to, to change. But the problem is if you, if you make that a performance-based thing, that so you go in and help people, but that becomes a performing thing. So you just perform, 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 and you don't get anything yourself. So that that, that was what I was doing in the beginning. I, I wrote a book. I released a book, uh, 2012, and um, yeah, it was it was a good book. Uh, I told the truth, but I did. I, I wasn't really. I didn't know so much about addiction like I do today. So. Um, it took me, I would say that it took me exactly 10 years and two months to ground myself. So we're now in November 2017. That's when I kind of uh, got rid of the addiction and started to, to live uh, properly, if you like, you know. Mm. Yeah, I love I love that you speak so openly about like addictions, and you talked about a little bit about your childhood already. You know mm-hmm. that you grew in a household of alcoholism, and and you were sexually mm-hmm. abused, and and some people think, wow, that's brave, and and you know there is bravery with it, but I also show that it's a, a sign of healing too, to be able to speak from our own from our own pain, and and the thing that uh, used to torment us. Uh, I heard a phrase by a lady called Tricia Brooke. And she said, speak from your scars, not your wounds. Mm. Uh, and it and it's amazing, you know, to, to hear you say that. And, you know, you've obviously been through your, your fair share of personal challenges. What would be your clear message maybe to others that are battling addictions right now? What would be kind of like your, your one message to them? Well, if there is one message, uh, that is ask for help. Because you will never be able to do it on your own. I, I tried for 10 years. I've seen so many, so many uh, people who are struggling and trying to solve it themselves by 
changing work, changing girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, geographically, you're moving, you're changing countries and so on and so on. You just, but in the end, uh, what really will help you is when you ask for help. You have to kind of uh, hold your hands up and say, I can't, I can't live my life like this any longer. So you uh, capitalize, you know, just saying, I've had enough. Yeah. Because, because um, the addiction as such is so mentally uh, strong, that force is stronger than any human being can handle. So you can't battle it. You, you can't battle your addiction. The only way to defeat it or to, you know, to, to get better is to start doing new things. And in order to do new things, um, you have to uh, you have to ask for help, and especially with people who's done it before you. So the twelve-step program is is um, is my um, my uh, message. Uh, use that, and it's it's difficult because there's a lot of shame, uh, lots of guilt. Uh, you probably lied thousands and thousands of times to your loved ones and people around you. Uh, and to be able to clear yourself from all this and, and kind of getting your 2.0 version of yourself, you have to have help. You have to have help. Yeah, I think like, not that I, not that I can overly identify with, with addiction. Now I can see like certain addictive behaviors that, that I may have like in my life. Um, you know, you were talking about, you know, people moving countries, changing jobs, changing relationships. You know, obviously the, the the challenge is within and you can't escape yourself, which is mm. why it becomes relentless. Now, you talked about asking for help. So Magnus, can you can you remember that that one like epiphany moment where you were like, I've reached the end of, of my own rope. There's nothing that I can do within me. Can can you remember that as oh, well yeah. as an exact moment? You talk yeah, about yeah. that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. It's like yesterday. I found myself uh, sitting on the balcony, eight floors up, with my feet uh, hanging outside the uh, the actual uh, rail, uh, and um, feeling good when I was looking down, eight floors down. I mean, we're talking, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 meters up in the air. Um, and, I, and this was in November uh, 2017, and I was I was scared, of course. I wanted to go back in to the apartment, but I, there was something holding me out there. But as I made myself in, uh, came in, uh, that was the first time in my life when it just came to me, I'm done. I can't do anything uh, from here. Uh, and that's when I phoned a, a friend of mine that I knew had uh, uh, had a, a, an addiction before me. Um, and uh, she helped me. Uh, and two days after, I was um, uh, in a recovery center. So, um, and just the feeling of the, the feeling that I got when I asked for help was, was just a massive relief because all of a sudden, because addiction is, uh, they call it the lonesome disease. You know, you get lo more and more lonely. You know, uh, you start with cocaine and thing, uh, you go to parties and life is yeah, booming and everything is fine. But that party is getting really exclusive in the end because you're going to be the only one at the party sitting on your own, you know, um, and that's what addiction do to you. So the relief that I got when I, um, when I uh, asked for help and also they, um, the guy uh, at the um, recovery center, he told me there was only six clients there. And he said to me, Magnus, what you're going to do now is 
talk less and you start using your ears. Just do what we tell you and it will work. And I thought to myself, mm, yeah, well, I don't think really that will happen, but but it did. Um, so, it, so it's a, a matter of, um, uh, I, I say to people when I, when I hold my speeches and so on, uh, why is asking for help so difficult? And they say, oh, well, I feel weak. I don't want to take up anybody else's time. You know, we came with, we come up with all these different excuses. But the brave thing is actually asking for help. That's the brave step to ask for help. And it doesn't have to be addiction. It can be anything. I think it's about communication, how you communicate um, your actual, um, when you ask for help. Instead of saying, oh, I'm, I feel so bad. I need you to help me. You can say, listen, I've been looking at you. and you, You're doing fantastic. I would love to have some help from you. That's a lot easier way to help, uh, to ask for help. So mm. I think it's a lot about uh, how you communicate it as well. Yes, clearly you've become very motivated in, in helping others. And you, and you touched on the fact that, and I thought it was a really good reflection. So I wanted to revisit it around mm. not getting into that performance mindset that you become so kind of like robotic in helping people that actually mm. it comes at the detriment of yourself. So what... How have you found your sweet spot of of taking your learnings, you know, and you, you talk a lot about change and, and transition, um, you know, how have you managed to, to be motivated doing something that you now love, which is helping other people turn their life around, while also fulfilling, you know, that itch within yourself? Well, after I did that, uh, when, I, when, I, when I was done with the 12-step program, um, the 12th step there is actually helping others uh, that is suffering, uh, still out there and suffering. Um, but that's helping someone else without getting anything back. Well, you do get things back, of course, from helping another human being, but you don't get paid and so on. Uh, and from there, it's, it's all about being uh, here and now and being grounded, I would say. So in my in my. Uh, uh, way um i always meditate before i hold a speech for an example to be here and now um i don't have a set uh, manuscript when i uh, ob i obviously have my blocks and, and things when i have hold the speech but um i like to coach my groups you know so i get a question i just don't answer the question i i i answer it with another questions so so it's i, I think it's um it's a matter of knowing that you can't save everyone. Uh, but my, my um, uh, priority is if I can just source some type of seed or something, you know, um, in one person's mind when, when I hold a speech, that, that is massive because it's probably going to save someone's life. Um, and when you talk about saving people's lives instead of helping them... Um, earn more money it's a big big difference there it's a big mm. difference so i think it's also going back to your highest purpose and and in from from my perspective it's not just helping it's it's actually making um a big change in people's lives where they obviously will do the work themselves but uh to take the first step uh, that's that's the thing and to make them feel uh and understand that they're not alone Mm. have you heard about the story of the starfish have you heard about have you heard no. about that no yes so there was a story of a of a young boy down by the sea right? and an old man 
came up to him. Uh, and on the ocean, there was thousands of starfish that were kind of just beached. Mm-hmm. Um, and he saw the little boy picking up a starfish and, and throwing them into the to the ocean. And the the old man said to the little boy, he said, he says, there's thousands of starfish. You can't you can't make uh, any difference to to this. And he picked up the one starfish, threw it into the sea, and he said, I made a difference to that one. Mm. And I, I, th- I think, you know, like we all have to do our bit, don't we? And we all like one. If we change one life, we change the world. We talk about how we want our world to be better, but it has to start with us being better and then us having an impact on one life because that one life can then impact another. And that's how mm. the world is changed. Right. Which is mm. really what you're getting at. Mm. I, I, I totally agree. And it's a really nice story that um, I also think that um, a very important thing is when you're on your own personal development, I think there's, there's a time when you shouldn't go out trying to help others because in order to be able to help others, you have to help yourself first. That's, it's like when you're in an airplane, you, you put your oxygen mask on first in order to be able to help uh, the people next to you. And it's, it's exactly the same here. I think because when you start developing, when you start um, losing your addiction or whatever the case might be, you, you usually get a big, massive boost from that. And that boost can sometimes lead you into helping others too quick, too early. So I think it's so important that we kind of uh, take a step back, uh, relax a bit longer, make sure to fill yourself up with more uh, knowledge, uh, more well-being if you like uh, mm. before you start helping others because otherwise helping others will become uh, painful in the end because mm. you will lose yourself in it so th- so there's a timing there that is also really important i would say yeah that's a good that's a good uh, kind of reflection as well you know to be able to you know pause you can't give out of an empty cup you have to mm. take the time yeah to pour in so that you can pour out um, mm. So I like that you've brought that as well um, mm. to, to yeah, because our... also that what I'm thinking about there is when you um, start when you start recovering, if you like, um, you might starting to set plans for yourself uh, very, very very early. But then as you come a bit forward in time and in development, those things that you decided from the beginning will hundred percent have changed because you have learned so much more, you will be in a different place in, uh, in the world. So uh, yeah, I, I can't be uh, clear enough with that. It, it, that is very, very important that um, we give yourself time. And, and I can see that now, to be honest, with the number of requests that I have from holding speeches and coaching sessions and so on, um, I can see that now that it's so much more today than it was three, four years ago. And I think that that is kind of like universe is is uh, handing that back. You're ready to do it. Mm. So I, I I didn't force my companies. I need to earn money. I need to do that. I need to be out as much as possible. Um, I've done it in my time, and and um, things will come back to you definitely. Yeah, you you mentioned flow, which is you know something that when we're in when we're in flow, that tends to be when things do do pat do be you know do pass through. I also think there's one extra level to that rather than being in flow, it's actually being flow. 
So rather mm. than us trying to get into something, it's actually us being it. And mm. that, that then takes us to our whole new level of paradigm shift, which then I really feel we, we find our sweet spot. Now different you look, level, yeah, yeah different, different level. level. But but those also uh, because when you you must have heard it so many times. I hear it uh, as well, and I probably said it myself sometime earlier in my life. But when things are going well for you, there's a lot of people. But I'm sure something bad will happen soon. <laughs> and I think I, I kind of looked into that, and I, I think that people that say that are the people that are still not able to deal with problems. They, but why can't they do it? Yeah, because they can't deal with their emotions. That's the problem. It's the emotions. So what it's, what it's about, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's so much a matter of um, uh, getting yourself up to a level where you know that, okay, problems will have occur. Uh, my life will go up and down but I won't get dragged into depressions or whatever it is. I won't follow the problem all the way down. But in order to do that, you have to have a base where you know that, hey, I can actually deal with things. I'm yeah. not worried that I'm not worried. I'm not walking around today worried that things will happen mm. uh, because I know that, yeah, things will happen, but I will deal with them when they come. Um, before, I, when my emotional life was, was totally ripped apart, um, I was dead scared for everything so i think it's it that's also the personal development can sometimes sounds a bit oh well i hear that or everywhere personal development blah 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 but but the personal development is obviously growing from inside of yourself so that you can handle life yeah not not having to worry about life very true i've got a couple last questions before mm -hmm. we bring this into land um yeah. you love change yeah. Uh, you've had to reinvent yourself several times. Um, how much control do we really have, Magnus, when it comes to our own happiness and, and well-being? Do we really have control? We, um, we can control certain things, I guess. Uh, that's that's the, um, uh, our desire and, and uh, what we try to do. But in the end of the day, I think that there's definitely a greater power than ourselves that gives us what but i don't think our, our higher power will give or give us more than we can handle uh, and i think that um, there's a path for everyone uh, if we can control it i think it's difficult uh, but it's also about a mindset it's also about a mindset of course if our mindset is um, is clear and, and we are kind of realizing um, that life will happen no matter what we do uh, and we will deal with it. Uh, I think we have a bigger chance than than if we feel like victims all the time. Um, but hundred percent, no, we we can't control our happiness all the way. I mean, for hundred percent, because there will be things. But our mental uh, point of view, you know, our our attitude will obviously uh, help us a lot in that. Yeah, it, the mind is such a powerful gift as also as well as it being uh it can be problematic if it isn't if it isn't wired properly i always find it fascinating that we 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 lose weight in our mind first before we lose weight in our physical body and what i mean by that is we make a decision that i'm going to lose weight then we have actions and behaviors that enable us to actually 
actually then manifest that weight loss and how, how often everything, you know, starts with our head. So if our head isn't in order, then actually our life, our behaviors and actions are also going to be suspect. Yeah, I call it, I call it mind lines as well. If I say to you that oh, you ruined my day today, um, my day will be ruined and, I, and my, my full body will, will go into that mode because I know exactly how my day would be when, if my day is ruined. So, and it's like typical thing. How are you? Oh, it's Monday. You know, it's Monday. You know, that, those type of things. So I, I totally agree. It start, everything starts in, in, um, in our minds, definitely. And and this week was a mental health uh, week uh, on Monday. Mm-hmm. What yeah. what what daily like behaviors of practice do you have, Magnus, that help you know keep your mind resilient? You know, we're starting to talk a little bit about the importance of the mind, but is there some daily practices that you do to kind of really keep your head in the game? Uh, I meditate every day. Um, I try to do it mon- uh, mornings and evenings, but it's, uh, I always do it mornings. Uh, that's that's a big, big thing for me because, and that's even before I open up my phone, because being an addictive person, which I will be for the rest of my life, uh, you will never get cleared from that. Um, I know that if I start opening an, uh, uh, my emails and there's there could be something you know there that I can I can sense it straight away that I'm not there hundred percent. So meditate before I uh, before I turn my phone on, um, and then I think it's a matter of you know keeping myself eating well, drinking water, you know the basic things uh, because that's a way of looking after myself as well. Um, I have uh, my dog that I'm looking after uh, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, yeah, so that's that's also. Uh, a great relationship to have with with a, with an animal, of course, and and also um, I have some some boundaries that I have set up for myself. Um, so say that I will get a, a feeling of anger, for an example, that can come quickly to you. Then um, I ask myself, uh, is it worth it? Can you can you uh, 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 is there any way for you to change it, the situation, or not? Um, and I also have a question asking me, what is threatening me right now? Because mm. usually anger comes from your ego. It's something that is happening that is not uh, perfect for yourself or that is playing with your um, ethics ethics, or whatever, your values or whatever the case might be. It's usually your ego playing you uh, playing your game so to me it's a lot about keeping my ego on distance you know uh, so um, and I like that because it's uh, it's challenging you know when you're out in the traffic and someone's doing this absolute stupid thing in front of you I ask myself straight away what is being threatened threatened uh, at you now or with you and usually I just laugh at myself and, and keep going <laughs> yes yeah, but it takes some time it, it might sound hallelujah uh, like i'm in the fluffy cloud somewhere but but it takes time i mean this is, we're talking from from november 2017 i've been working on this uh so it's nothing to a lot of the listeners now they might oh that sounds strange so how, how can you get there and so on but but it's 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 a process it's a process of, of getting there of course mm. and finally how, how do we constantly 
challenge ourselves to to change and evolve rather than you know just stay stagnant because i find that you know in life we we kind of plateau we reach kind of a comfort level Uh, but but what's your thoughts on constantly challenging ourselves to to change and evolve how do you mean constantly challenging uh, ourselves you know i what i what i mean is like i think that we once we've identified right this is our purpose which we've talked about like throughout mm. like this podcast mm. once once we've reached that level like you know you know now that you know you want to affect lives uh, through your experiences and you'll do that through speaking you'll do that through coaching mm. what what enables you to keep evolving and not rest on your laurels and grow stagnant uh, that maybe in two years time, if you don't keep evolving, that you'll end up not satisfied. That's kind of what I'm. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, in my, in my case, uh, it's about going back to step one. When I uh, asked for help, uh, 2017, November, uh, to see how it was then. Sometimes I would actually take myself back there just to see how far I've come. And, but also to have respect for, uh, because in my uh, in my uh, case, if I don't keep doing what I'm doing, that's like medicine to me. I know that the addiction uh, will start knocking on your shoulder and hey, come back, come back. So in my, uh, for me, it's a matter of you know uh, maintaining a, a good life and keep and, and growing. Uh, for other people, I would say that first of all, it's it's I think we're missing out something. Uh, essential we usually set up goals for our work but we very rarely have goals in our life but if we did both and we kind of got those two together um, there will be bigger things on the private things like like in my instance i want to i want to be the best dad that i can every single day i want to be able to see my kids in their eyes 24 7 and be always be honest to them that's a thing that keeps me going. So I think you have to find, uh, I think you have to find these um, see, um, sentences that you can pick up now and then. Mm. Um, so uh, I think that is that is absolutely crucial in in order to 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 keep growing. I think also being curious. Okay, I'm here now. What's my next step? So from from me, for an example, I'm working a lot now with masculine and feminine polarities, for an example. I want to learn more about what is actually happening to, to woman, man in relationships, because a lot of addicted people have massive problems in relationships, even when they uh, recover. Um, so I'm doing that, which is filling me up with new things. So it, I also think it's a matter of, you know, look, what, what different courses are there? Can you start doing something that you haven't done before? And it can be small things, yoga, tennis, whatever, you know, fill yourself with, with things that you haven't done before. Yeah, so staying curious, really. Exactly. I think that is, but in order to do that, to stay curious, I think you have to have this, you know, the big sentence of your big why. Yeah. If you have that clear for you, um, it will come more naturally to be curious and to, to want to explore uh, will start changing your behavior on social media instead of looking at all your friends' perfect lives. 
start listening to inspirational people there like uh, Tony Robbins or whoever, you know, start listening to those things get, because that will fill you with new things and, and it might take you on, the, on, a, on a slightly different course as well. Mm. So it's, it, you know, because I think social media is a, it's a, it's a big challenge for a lot of us. Um, and that was actually my biggest uh, threat after um, my 12-step uh, program to, to get rid of the addiction that I had with social media. Because that is filling up your, your ego. That is, you know, your, you won't just want praise and lots of likes, lots of comments and so on. Uh, so I, I, I always ask my, uh, my audience, why, why, why do you post uh, on social media? Uh, is it because you want likes? Is it because you want to feel better for the moment? Or do you want to inspire people? What's the reason? Just to see how, um, uh, what do you call it? How uh, not, not weak, but how, how fragile we are. Because if you post something and you don't get as many likes as you expected, or the type of comments that you expected, you can go down inside yourself and feel bad. You know, So you're putting all your your well-being and your mood in other people's eyes and, and fingers. So uh, that was a big thing. Uh, so I've, I've changed my behavior there and follow a lot of more inspiring people that, that, uh, that can fill me up rather than, um, than something else. Yeah, I think TD Jake said it well when he said, putting your happiness in the hands of somebody else is like putting the thermostat in your neighbor's home. Yeah, you can't control how how hot your property can get because because mm, mm. the thermostat's somewhere else. Exactly. Finally, then, how do people find out more about you, Magnus? And is there maybe one final thing that you want to share that you feel like we haven't we haven't really talked about or shone shone a light on that you're really passionate about? Um. Well, to 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 contact me or to, to touch base with me. I'm, I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, uh, and um, I would say that uh, the, the change for people is always the same. You leave something and you're going towards something. Um, but if you don't know where you should go, if that is not set, uh, the, the danger of you getting lost along the way is, is massive. So I would say, I would say that that, um, uh, that thing with asking for help uh, not just uh, goes for addict, addicted people, it goes for everyone. If you want to grow, ask for help. That's, that's, uh, that's what I like to, to, um, to send out to people. Louis, well, thank you for taking the time to, to be with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Magnus. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Max Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.